And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Ali Shilton. And on today's show, we carry on fighting with pride. Sassy's going to be here with a nice long chat for you. Plus, myself, Terry and Andy will be discussing the news uh, in a bit more depth. Uh, All that and loads, loads more coming in the next hour, right here on Shout Out. How are we all? Ooh. We're good, yeah. It's, it's, it's very quiet. It's autumnal. Yeah. We're, 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 we're missing the two loudest members because they're, they're off somewhere <laughs> jetting around in Europe. But so. well, we shouldn't Wonderful. say jetting around, driving around. Driving around, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Some of the speech you can do on those <laughs> autobahns, it might as well be jetting, I think. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so, anyway, hello, Steffi, and um, as if you're listening, I uh, hope, hope you're having a nice time off. Yep. Yeah, so. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. I think they've gone to Disneyland as well. Oh. They've gone to Disney, Disney Resort. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah nice. Paris, I think. I think yeah. so, yeah. yeah. Yes, outside of Paris. So, uh, as well as various other places on the continent appearing live. Mm. You never know where they're going to pop up next. Anyway, uh, Pat, Pat's <laughs> show, we're going to talk about the news in detail um, very, very shortly. But let's kick things straight off uh, with uh, carrying on our look at uh, Fighting with Pride. Until the turn of the century, British armed forces engaged in the social cleansing of a group of their own people. People the military saw as a threat to its existence. LGBT plus personnel matched the courage of their peers on the battlefield, but if discovered were arrested, interrogated, subjected to degrading medical examinations and court-martial. Working with the charity Fighting With Pride, we're telling the stories of people who served or were directly affected by this gay ban. Tamsin Wakeham joined the RAF in 1989. At the time, she didn't know what being LGBT meant and had no idea that being gay in the military was a crime. I sort of knew as I was growing up that I liked women, but I didn't know what that meant, you know, and I wrestled with it and, oh my God, what the hell is it? And funnily enough, I mean, one of the reasons why I joined the Air Force, if I perhaps surround myself with women and you go through the training and sometimes, you know, you get a load of women in a room and it can, we, we can have a tendency to be a little bit bitchy at times and that, you know, and I just thought maybe it'll put me off. Maybe it will put me off, you know, women because I'd had, had a couple of little crushes on women, not acted on them. Um, I had a little boyfriend, you know, but it was sort of like, nothing was just fitting so it wasn't until I actually joined the air force and they'd asked me are you gay and I was sort of like could sort of say well no I'm not because I didn't really know what that was and hadn't acted on anything and yes it wasn't until I joined that I then met some gay people and then started actually um, seeing a, a female who happened to be American there were a couple of very obvious personnel in within the U.S. military even though it was not allowed for them either. But, you know, you sort of could kind of sort of see. And they were quite a little bit more open. I mean, dangerously so, you know, because they were still being hunted down. Then sort of saw somebody and we got chatting. And, you know, the more you got chatting, the more you sort of realised, oh, I think we both like the same thing, you know. 
It went horribly wrong for us. And it was her roommate who was part of the police, the military police, who believed that something was going on. And so actually dogged her in to the US police. Once they got involved, they started investigating her and they contacted the military. And next thing I know, they said, the police want to talk to you. So it was all obviously known. It was all going on in the background, but I just got the cold hand on my shoulder on the day and taken down. So I was escorted, couldn't go on my own. They wouldn't allow me to go on my own in case I did anything on the way or got rid of any evidence or spoke to anybody. I mean, I'm, I laugh now and it's probably more of a um, coping mechanism, but it's um, it was horrendous, absolutely horrendous. I remember when they were checking my room, of course, people were coming home into the, you know, the barracks where you lived and sort of seeing people in your room. And so, of course, the rumour mill starts and the jungle drums start going. Oh, my God, it's it's worse than we ever thought. It, she thinks she's one of those, you know. Then they don't want to know you. What if it's catching? You're just disgusting. And people didn't want to be your friend for fear of being dragged down with you. And I remember walking down to the corridor and somebody was heading to the showers. They had their bathrobe on and they literally sort of squeezed themselves up against the wall and walked past me and sort of looking at me like I can discuss to make sure I wasn't looking at them. And I was just sort of like, oh, my goodness, I'm not interested in you. But that's the type of reaction you were getting. So, yeah, really isolating. I started drinking very, very, very heavily. I sort of almost didn't care anymore. What is the point? So, you know, from having, you know, doing really well and coming out top of my air traffic course and winning an you know, award for being brilliant, um, all of a sudden, I'm now, because of who I may have chosen to be with in the comfort of my own room, it now is becoming an issue. And then, so yes, yeah, so the drinking, the unhappiness, um, the sort of self-loathing, the guilt, the shame, all starts piling on top of you. I just didn't care. Didn't care really if I lived or I died at that point. Quite happily could have drunk myself to death. Guys are coming on to me because they think, well, you're not gay, are you? So, you know, come on, maybe I should go with them. You know, you sort of think, but I don't want to. But you think, should I? So, you know, you know, kiss a bloke because, well, at least then it looks like I'm normal. And then you hate yourself even more. I was investigated and they investigated me for, for the year. And they couldn't find anything. It was inconclusive. So I was one of the fortunate ones who didn't, lose my job you know didn't get booted out but it was still horrendous so I, I stayed for a couple more years I loved it because I loved my job and I loved the people but I didn't like that hiding yourself so I, I, I left because I couldn't couldn't cope with not being true anymore I was out for about five years and I looked at wanting to rejoin and I'd, I'd become a firefighter and I'd become an emergency medical technician and two days after I sort of thrown it out to the universe to give me a sign uh, I saw it on the news the ban has been lifted that was it. I rejoined because I had enjoyed the people and the, the opportunity. The rules sucked. All, all I ever wanted when I served was to serve really well, wanted to do my job and not lose it. That was all I ever wanted. Don't take my job away from me for what I choose to do because I'm not breaking the law. You've been listening to Fighting with Pride, produced by John Dash Media with the support of the Audio Content Fund. For more information, visit fightingwithpride.org.uk. Shout out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. This is Shoutout News Headlines on Thursday the 30th of September. 
Swiss reactionaries, including conservative parties, the right wing and religious extremists, ended up with egg on their faces at the weekend as the small Alpine country voted overwhelmingly to support same-sex marriage in a nationwide referendum. Well over 60% of the population in all the country's regions voted in favour of allowing gay and lesbian couples the right to marry. Civil partnerships were already in place in the country. Pink News notes that the result also means that same-sex couples will be allowed to adopt children for the first time, whilst queer women will finally gain access to sperm donation services. Voting was held because Switzerland is a country where many public issues are put to a referendum if enough signatures are raised. Conservative groups raised this threshold after the Swiss Parliament proposed the reforms, but the overwhelming rejection of bigotry by the Swiss public saw street celebrations involving thousands of LGBTQIA people. Maria von Canal from the Swiss Rainbow Families Association described the result as overwhelming and a landslide. The Jewish Chronicle newspaper has reported an exclusive report into the output of the BBC Arabic satellite TV channel, which is funded by the BBC licence fee and serves viewers in the Middle East. The report found high levels of anti-Semitic conspiracy nonsense on the station, which was criticised only last year by the gay human rights campaigner Peter Tatchell for allowing its airways to be used to attack homosexuality and denigrate Arabic gay people. A Jewish media monitoring organisation called Camera, which investigates broadcasters for anti-Semitism, said that the BBC Arabic network normalised hatred and questioned why the BBC was not holding it to the same account as English-speaking channels it operates. After the homophobic content revealed by Mr Tatchell last year, BBC Arabic had said that it tried to balance the various opinions taking place in the Arab world. However, Mr Tatchell responded by saying, BBC Arabic is not the only World Service channel that has faced accusations of bias. There were similar complaints about BBC Persia last December. There needs to be a full investigation into the BBC World Service radio and television output. Building LGBTQIA community spaces remains important for many members of our communities as they seek a space to be authentic and free from the constraints of heteropatriarchy. Well, now a new venue has opened in London's Brick Lane. The Glass House is the brainchild of a group of activists. The new venue offers the diverse communities under the rainbow flag a place to come together to talk, browse books and enjoy a fair trade coffee. The venue includes a bookshop and cafe called the Common Press. The bookshop is packed to the brim with titles on trans-inclusive feminism, anti-colonialism, anti-fascism and self-care. The Glass House will join alternative LGBTQIA venues, including Gays the Word Books, Houseman's Books and the Anarchic Centre 56A Info Shop, as places where the London LGBTQIA community can gather with less of the pressure of the brilliant but sometimes too commercially driven mainstream gay scene. The online journal Them, which specialises in reporting on gender issues, reveals in a lengthy essay that there is more than just anti-transgender content to a raft of far-right initiated legislation in the more conservative states of the USA. In addition, they say, clauses are often being inserted designed to take away all autonomy from intersex people, mandating doctors to perform what they deem as corrective surgery on infants. The irony has not been lost on some LGBTQIA campaigners. They point out that the right wing accuses trans children of not being old enough to consent to gender-related surgery, and on the other hand, 
tends to allow non-consensual surgery on intersex babies and infants. Alicia Roth-Vigel from the intersex group Interact told journalists that it would be such a basic fundamental understanding that a trans kid should be able to ask for something that would improve their health and an intersex kid should not have something forced upon them that would be detrimental to their health. Unfortunately, she said, our legislators here are a lot more focused on discriminating than they are on science. And finally, the gay writer and showrunner Russell T. Davis has been asked by the BBC to return to the Doctor Who programme, which he successfully brought back to our screens in 2005. He will take over at the end of the current incarnation of the Doctor, the first female version, played by Jodie Whittaker, who departs at the end of 2022. Mr Davis said that he was looking forward to taking on the programme once again, but added that we will have to wait and see what direction the popular programme might travel in under his stewardship for these news stories in further detail many links and much much more check out our website at shoutoutradio.lgbt for shout out news this week i've been terry Starr. shout out news national and international lgbt news for you Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Oh, yes. Hey everyone, welcome to LGBTQ Plus Shout Out Radio and my Sasky Chats. Today I am speaking to another fabulous person, someone who is all about visibility and representation within our community because representation really matters. The person I'm very excited to introduce today is the fabulous Mr. Paul Davis. Paul Davis! Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the uh, Sasky Chat Show. You know, I always love um, spotlighting amazing people like yourself who are doing great things within our LGBTQ plus community. And I know there's so much that you've been doing. Um, and I always love your energy. So I just want to start with one of the, the main uh, events that's actually happening tomorrow, which is very excited, uh, Models of Diversity event. That yes. Coming up. Yes. Say, you are literally talking the talk and walking the walk with this event. Um, before you go into it, tell us a bit about how it started, because I believe it was off the back of an article that you wrote. Yeah, well, first of all, Saski, thank you for having me on the show. That's, I'm, I'm very honoured to be here. So, and, and to all our listeners, a big hello and a big shout out to everybody as well. So thank you for having me on here. Um, yes, so in regards, I am uh, talking the talk and walking the walk, and it'll be my first walk technically as well. I've never really done a uh, proper fashion catwalk in my life. So um, hopefully I'll be uh, not tripping up on stage. Um, and I'm actually, I'm considering wearing a pair of heels as well. So I'm really breaking down that. So yeah, so uh, the models are diversity and unhidden. Um, they've come together and a few other brands as well. And basically what they're doing is they're just giving uh, underrepresented people, uh, represented people, uh, the catwalks essentially and what's best is the fact that it's london fashion week as well so it gets people on the catwalk on the runway that you would never have expected to see before in a beautiful diverse colorful event uh, which is happening in the center of london which i can't get over yeah. in Street as well so yeah it's it's wonderful and there's going to be a mixed bag of people there um you know we're a melting pot of people um from all backgrounds all abilities 
uh, all colors, everything. It's brilliant. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. And I'm really super honored to be part of it as well. Oh, I love that as well. And I was looking in, I was reading up about it, obviously, as I do. Um, and I was interested to know about this term that I hadn't heard before. So again, excuse my ignorance, but I'm talking about adaptive fashion. Um, tell us a bit more about adaptive fashion, what it is and why it's important. Well, adaptive fashion is pretty much, as it says in the tin, it's basically adaptable. Um, and, and generally, when you think of, if I said to you, disability and, oh, you know, for, for some people, they need the clothing that we have can be, you know, quite difficult. So for, for me, when I was younger, I had to adapt around the clothing, for example. I, doing my shoelaces up, which I can do, by the way, shock, I know. Um, <laughs> it's a party trick of mine. And you'd be very surprised how many people love that, Saskia. But, um, but yeah, so we have to adapt around there. <laughs> I'm disappointed we're on radio because I really I know <laughs> we'll have to get on video have a chat. Sorry, as you say, go on, go, go. That's good. So basically, we have to adapt. Um, and when I say we, I, it's the royal we then. I'm, I'm representing every disabled person that is out there. Um, but, you know, I had to adapt. And so as a lot of people, whether that's from the fact that we have buttons or zips or all these kind of things, um, and, and the fact that, you know, sometimes it's fitting as well. It's how it fits to individuals because they, they potentially are in a chair or, you know, all the things you can figure out and it's not that we're individuals that are going oh gosh because we've still tried we still try our best we still wear these clothes the the generic clothing that everybody wears but they are sometimes in it and looking fabulous as always i have to say for you yes well thank you darling thank you um but obviously that's sometimes not the case for so many other people and and the thing is is these adaptive clothing is the fact that they are um they're adapted to our needs and our everyday needs in a sense of they're very easy to put on on um and actually it'll probably be something on the high street that you'll be wanting if, if we end up doing it and it gets really really big which hopefully it will it'll be something that everybody will be doing and they realize they don't have to have all these pockets and zips and all these things um, and complicating their lives um and basically what it is it's it's just adaptable to make our lives that little bit more simpler. But the best thing about it, the clothing is sustainable as well. It's, it's all sustainable. And, and actually, it makes you look good, too. Because when you think of, um, if I said to you, adaptive clothing, or I, or let's put, it, let's put this into a label, then let's say disabled clothing, which sounds absolutely dreadful to say that. Your natural thought as human beings, let's be fair, you'd all think dowdy. You'd naturally think you wouldn't look that great. And and all these kinds of, but this clothes, uh, which is unfair really to say that, because actually, you know, uh, what the, the team have done is they've come up with some clothing that looks bloody smart. It looks kick-ass. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Something you'd wear to a business or even just on an evening out and you look smart, you look great, and it doesn't affect how you're feeling either. You're not feeling you have to hold this in or push that out that way or, or it's taking you 27 days to put the pair of trousers on, you know? It's 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 allowing us and those individuals to feel comfortable, confident, and able to be themselves as well, you know? And, and that's very, very important. That's it. I mean, and you know what? It's such, it's so important. It's things, you know, so many people take for granted, isn't it? You know, yeah. I think about this stuff. Again, it's like anything. And for a lot of people, if it doesn't affect you directly on a daily basis, unfortunately, people don't really think about it or do anything to support it. Hence why there are so many underrepresented groups, um, you know, and obviously thinking about our community as well in line with sort of, you know, being underrepresented for whether you're part of the LGBTQ plus community, I guess from an intersectional perspective, um, mm -hmm. someone like 
like yourself, who is, you know, identifies as a gay man, um, someone with, with a disability. I, you, I know you affectionately call yourself, um, uh, what is it, Stubby, you call yourself? Stubby, stubby. yeah, you could call me Stubby Sasky, you're my friend, so you can call me Stubby. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, yeah, again, yeah, I, I do have those uh, nicknames, which I actually call myself, and some people like to get offended on my behalf. Um, thank you very much, but I'm, I'm okay. Uh, you're more than welcome to defend other people, uh, but not me, I'm all, I'm all good. Uh, but yes, so yeah, sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, I just want to say, but with that, it's like, um, you know, obviously, someone like yourself, you're very confident, you're very out there, you know, you're really, you're a real positive role model, you know, and, and you know, you affectionately use humour as well as part of that, you know, to to kind of, you know, to get through, I guess, as well, and, and just yeah, be yeah. who you are, which is really important. Um, there'll be many people that, that won't have that confidence. And, you know, so I guess, how would you overcome those kind of barriers? Or have you overcome uh, those barriers within your career? Um, for me, my past as as I mean, I do th- do things through humour, and that is actually not intentional. That's actually just how I've been, and and I I look at myself. I am. You know, there's many things that I'm underprivileged on and there's many things. But my main key privilege is the fact that I have been brought up with a mum that has given me the love, every love in the world, you know, and and I've got a family around me that uh, have loved me, obviously. Now, that saying that a lot of people don't have that and they have their friends that can do that. And so for me, that helped me get through a lot more than I thought. And and so the confidence has come from them. And I got to keep that up now because unfortunately I'm what a lot of people go through a younger age. I'm going through now, believe it or not, you know, uh, uh, rejection, uh, losing uh, family members due to, you know, you know, they're departing and such. But so I understand how it can be when you lose that confidence, when you're not, when you're struggling to keep that smile on. And it is really, really hard. And so for those people that are struggling out there right now, I would say, you know, and, and may look at me and think, oh, well, it's fine for you, Paul, because, you know, you're always happy. I'm not, babe. I'm really, really not. There are days when I have my donor and, and I'm going to send my love to you if you're listening right now and you're struggling right now. Darling, I, love you loads whoever you are out there my love stumpy is here all right and i am standing by your side and one day i will meet you in a bar and we'll have a good drink and we'll have a chat about it but ultimately it has to come from within and those days are very very hard for some people um but you know what get out get out look at the sky take a breath take a breather stick some steps on that's what you need in your life Stop listening to goddamn boring music that's making you wallow. Please don't do that. Listen to happy music. Steps are back. They're on the scene again. You know, that's an ABBA are back as well. But, you know, that generally is what I do when I'm really struggling. And I've been, you know, through coronavirus and um, before that, when I lost my grandmother and stuff, I was really, really, really down. And you know what? The things that really helped me was, you know, people see me as a very hyperactive individual was just stopping and taking that moment and getting out and taking a breath. And it really was sticking a bit of steps on. Absolutely. That's exactly it. I couldn't agree more. Now, listen, we've got so many things that, and in such a short space of time that I want to get through. So we're going to do the speed questions. Now. Wow. Okay, let's go. Firstly, um, talk about Andro, which was your interview about your disability as well. So, and did I pronounce it right? Andro. Andro. <laughs> nearly, nearly knew this. So basically, Andro. Andro. Very, you, you, it could be Welsh, babe. Um, so, but, <laughs> 
Basically, yes. Yeah, so I recently done a Welsh program called Amdro, which is a little bit like come dine with me, but um, and it's basically uh, going for a walk. And and on there, we we touched a lot on on my my stump, and which which is really strange because everybody focuses on uh, myself and my sexuality, and it's really really nice that people are talking about my stump in a very positive light, which is brilliant. And we talked about my abilities, and I got the the, the people that were with me to learn how to do their shoelaces up with one hand, and it was brilliant. Hey! Yeah, genuine. They could do it, kind of. I mean, it's got a bit of work. But basically, I was just trying to say that, you know, what you have to think differently when you have a disability. My life is very creative because I to get a, a, around the, the, the stumbling blocks that you lot have put in my way. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have to be creative and not and I'm thankful for that, you know, because them stumbling blocks you've placed have made me a better person. So oh, I know. No, listen, I, I, I totally hear you. And I, and I guess there's a lot of ignorance out there. And I was one of one person who was part of that previously. I, I mean, you know, when I hosted uh, Disabled Hearing Queer Pride, I learned so much about the barriers and the, the struggles sometimes, yeah. but also met such amazing people. You know, yes. just, you know so that's really positive. Uh, Pride of Wales diversity panel. What's yes. So basically, um, the Ranga Nation, I'm part of the fabulous family on BBC Two, uh, the Ranga Nation with the lovely Ramesh. Um, and, and it is a very diverse panel of people that I'm with. And I love each one of them very dearly. And, and do you know what? If you want to watch a show and see the best of British people and see what happens when you get a group of people that are extremely bloody opinionated. Um, but, you know, we all have the one thing in common. We're all human and we all want to laugh and we all, we're all a crazy journey together, you know, and, you know, we're here for a good time not a long time absolutely and and the other thing i want to touch on as well because again i know you've got so much you're hosting uh worth in pride this weekend which we yes yeah very exciting and um, but also come on i can't leave it on on not pointing out about mr gay wales or mr gay universe is that a bit like um the modern miss gay miss world <laughs> well, well yes yes so basically oh, i became <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously, Mr. Gay Wales, I'm, uh, you know, that was 2016 and Mr. Gay Universe, first ever. And just to point out, I was the first ever Mr. Gay um, with, with a disability. And uh, believe it or not, I still had some flack for that as well, you know. Um, but you know what? It's each of their own. I get it. They just, you know, they're a bit jealous because they didn't get off their arse and do it, basically. Um, that's the way I look at it. But, you know, it's a privilege of being having those titles. And, and from that, it's just helped me. Um, because some people need a title to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of helped in some ways. But you know what? The best title I've ever had in my life is Paul. You yeah. know, is Damien and, 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 and Stumpy. And, and you know what? And I'm so thankful for everything that I've got. And I promise you guys, who is ever listening, everything that I do, I genuinely do it for you. I really, really do. If I make you smile, that's the main thing. Because there's not, there's not many people out there like doing that. And Saskia, you're one of those people that like to do yeah. that. You can feel good. And just a really, really quickly for uh, Disabled Career in here, and you did that event as well. Um, you said it opened up your mind. And I think that's that's what people need to do. And I know we're all ignorant and we're ignorant sometimes for a reason because our lives are so hectic. But just take two minutes. Just take two minutes because believe it or not, you're all going to be here one day. You will all be disabled at some point. Um, and that's the reality. That is the reality. It's hard hitting. Um, but the reality is, is you will be here at some point. Unfortunately, you know, whether it's your your, your uh, hearing loss or sight or the fact you can't run up the stairs as much. And and to them, you know, to some people, their knees are going to go. So, yes, that position is going to have to go in the bin. <laughs> but, 
So, you know what, it's a really good point that you make there as well. And actually, you know, people shouldn't be ignorant at the end of the day. And again, we're talking about allyship, talking about being representative and, you know, creating visibility, particularly within our LGBTQ plus community. It really is important that we do stand up and become allies of equality. You know, that's one of my big things I always say. So allies to each other uh, from all backgrounds, all shapes and sizes. Queen always lifts up somebody else's tiara, as they say, you know, that's the thing. That's it, isn't it? I love that. Yeah, exactly. But listen, Paul, you know, I could talk to you all day. I know there's so many more things happening and I want to uh, want you to come back for a part two. I'd love to. I'd love Stumpy to. Part two. Stumpy part two, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so excited about your show tomorrow. Um, and oh, it's actually going out today because technically this is going to be airing tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, listen, thank you so much and big love. And I can't wait to see you in person for a drink. And you as well, Sasuke. You take care. And lovely, thank you so much for having me on the show. And everybody else, hopefully I'll see you at Worthing Pride. And yes, if not, then hopefully I'll be back soon. Fabulous. We'll put all your follow details, your stalker details, where people can <laughs> online, uh, in the in the post. Listen, big love. Thank you so much for joining. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT radio for you. The Shoutout Podcast. Yeah, I know. I played that a little while ago. Bongo cha-cha-cha. So, yeah. <laughs> we like it. It's it, so. a summary feeling because it's like heading into darkness. I mean, it's like I, I, I've closed the curtains here because it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> that that, that hasn't happened. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually mind this side of Christmas because you've got Christmas and New Year to look forward to. It's that January blues. (laughs) It's cold and there's nothing to look forward to for a month. That's a bit I I find quite depressing. (laughs) I was going to say, we always have something to look forward to, Andy, to get us through January, February and March. And that's the fact that uh, when we get towards the, the, the the, the the next quarter, we have lots of birthdays. Well, yes, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so, anyway, um, it's a news extra this week, which is where is. the lovely Terry uh, takes us um, uh, into a couple of stories in a bit more depth, uh, the ones that you tend to um, um, hit the most on our website. And uh, what were you talking about this week, mate? Well, we're talking about taxation this week, and there's two things that are sure in life. is death and taxes. But um, <laughs> from April of next year... I've forgotten who said that. Uh, from April next year, the rate of national insurance contribution uh, that people we pay here in the UK is going to go up by 1.25%. And the government says it's going to be spent on the National Health Service and social care, which is like care homes and, and domiciliary care and so on. Now, why does this affect us? Well, a lot of LGBTQIA people make their career in health settings within the National Health Service, in charities mm. that deliver NHS contracts, and in care homes and, and various places where care is delivered. So this is going to impact quite a few of us who are employees, you know, across the across the community of these institutions. So for the benefit of people who maybe are listening overseas, uh, national insurance is uh, a levy paid by employees on their wages on employers who also fund uh, national insurance and self-employed people also pay national insurance on their profits. 
for one year national insurance is going to go up by april 2023 the government say they'll have more of an idea of what they want to do to finance social care and the nhs and there's going to be a health and social care levy which will be an extra tax uh, which will be paid by uh, people in the united kingdom including people who are still working and are of state pension age uh now there's been a lot of debate about this because um, people who are earning very, very high incomes will see less of an increase uh, percentage of their wages going on national insurance than will people in sort of middle income brackets. And that's been suggested by some people to well, be it, rather it's a fixed unfair. Amount, is it? It's not a fixed amount, but currently uh, workers pay 12% national insurance on earnings between around about uh, £9,500 and £50,000. Right. Anything earned above that amount attracts a rate of just 2%. So it's it's a, a taxation which the very wealthy perhaps pay more money, but pay less percentage of their income towards, does, right. if that makes sense to you. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, in his speech to the House of Commons, the Prime Minister acknowledged that the tax hike will break a Conservative manifesto pledge not to raise taxes. But he said the pandemic had changed everything. So, lots of people will be seeing increases to their tax bills over the next year. Uh, but £36 billion is estimated to be going to be raised over the next three-year period and is going to be used with the social care crisis and to bring extra funding to the NHS. So, you two uh, lovely Andes are my <laughs> panel for this evening. So, um, do we welcome tax rises to pay for social care? What do you think? Well, does anyone welcome a tax rise? I think mm. no, because you don't like seeing the, the, the money dis disappearing out your bank account. But, I, I mean, it's post-COVID, isn't it? I, I mean, mm. the amount of money that we burnt through with furlough schemes and uh, and the like um, and oh. having to put in all those Nightingale hospitals and all that kind of thing. I think isn't our like the amount we borrowed as a company uh, as a country like way outweighs like World War Two. Um, it's fast, you know. It? So, yeah. so uh, and World War Two pretty much bankrupt, bankrupted, bankrupted the, yes, um, yes. the the country. So, yeah. how COVID hasn't, I, I I don't know. So I I, I personally thought we'd end up paying some kind of a tax because it's got to be repaid somehow. Um, my only fear is, are they going to spend it on the right things? You know, because it's That's like national right. insurance is not really used for what it was really intended, is it? I mean, the, the state pension is very low. Um, yes. And our NHS mm. that it's supposed to fund, which is the two main things it's supposed to fund, is severely underfunded. Um, and isn't it because of the whole kind of ethos of it all goes in one pot and we dish it out where it's actually needed rather than saying, you know, like road taxes for roads and national insurances for NHS and pension and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, they're bringing in another one. Is it going to go in the right place? I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, some people... Sorry, Andy, carry on. No, that's all right. Carry on, Terry. I was going to say, I mean, of course, some people I've seen say on television is that you can you could put an endless amount of money into these things and there'll always be more needed. So 36 billion will, will still be eaten up by the health service and social care sectors. Yeah. But that's just one, that's just one criticism of it. I mean, personally, I think that, you know, it's, it'd be great, you know, for a lot of, a lot of the social care in particular, which is, I think quite, you know, has, has problems in this country would be, 
would be well spent. Andy H, you were going to say something. Um, yeah, I, the, the, the tax in, in one sense is needed because we do need to fund social uh, health and social care and, and the care that needs to be provided and obviously care homes and personal care in, in, in older life and also for those who are unfortunately unable to look after themselves in younger mm. life. Um, my my fear is though that a lot of this money is going to end up into um, co- uh, private companies who are going to end up profiting out of the money when it's when it's spent from taxation. Um, it would, in an ideal world, it would be nice if uh, all of the care um, that can be provided was provided by not-for-profit organisations. Um, and therefore, re- removing pri- uh, private profit, um, private profiting from the way that the money is spent, um, because we do we do have uh, some issues within the way that care homes are currently funded, where mm. care homes charge an awful lot of money and often don't pay staff particularly um, mm. wages that are that are equivalent to what they should be for the care that's provided. It's a very low-paid sector, oh, isn't but it's, it? It's, it all, is. it's all totally fine because we Brexited and according to Johnson, we're now not going to pay millions of pounds, so we've got it all for the <laughs> NHS. He, yeah. he drove around with a big bus with it written on the side. So do we need this tax? Because we Brexited. And it's having no effect at all on petrol and store supplies and the number of lorry drivers <laughs> yeah. we, we got. Yes. Like, is it? You know? it, 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 it? It's very difficult because we, we need to fund the care but it's how how the care is funded and also how the care is provided because mm. we need to we need to look closely at whether the care is is really good value for money so if if by spending that money that we're raising in tax how that's being spent in the right places if we're for example saying that someone needs care in their home and that care is being provided by a private provider that yeah. then is actually only paying someone, say, minimum wage to go in and spend a few hours caring for that patient, when actually that care, that person A should be paid more money, and also there's being money taken off for profit. Is that a good use of that uh, taxation, or should that mm. be provided by the state and by a state-run organisation rather than a private company? So, I I just have I just have mm. concerns about where that money. Um, where, where that taxation will actually go to and who will actually see the best benefit from it. Mm. Maybe I'm Very just being point. critical um, because of because you, you often see things where it's supposedly done with the best intention but actually the outcome is not necessarily the best that it could be. Mm, the law of unintended consequences, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that um, the taxation could have been raised in a different manner, for example, by taxing very wealthy people more, so making it more of a what they call a progressive tax, so the very wealthy pay a little bit more towards towards it. As we as we said, you know, middle income uh, people will be paying uh, a certain proportion of their uh, their wages towards this this uh, levy. Will it be? Uh, well, this is one that's going to be a bit divisive, isn't it? You know, because if you are yes. someone who's wealthy, the answer will be no. <laughs> if you're someone who's not wealthy, the answer is going to be yes. You know, um, mm. I mean, yeah, it, it probably should be something that is, um, you know, a percentage across the people. 
Yeah. Um, I, the the way it looks from the figures you put here, Terry, it looks like it's basically a fee per person. Yeah, it, it, yeah. I, I think it's really the, the way that it's been proposed at the moment, it does um, unduly affect those on um, lower incomes and for those already struggling who are then having to claim universal credit um, or other benefits to top up their their wage to so that they can afford to uh, afford to have the basics this is taxation that they really they really could do without and it's going to push them further into poverty personally i'd love to see us um trial what they've done in some of the other countries where you, you get a universal wage yep the universal um, basic income yeah yeah, yeah well you you just get given an amount to live on um and um it's made things so much better in the countries that they've done it in I'd, I'd love to know if it would work over here again there are pros and cons it could be, be, be a whole other show talking about that but it'd be something I'd, yeah. I'd love to love to see us trial um, rather than all these different things we've got going on certainly well, a lot of people are talking about universal basic mm, incomes now aren't they yeah, yeah. I, I think people often mo- uh, miss the point that actually when we're talking about national insurance and the NHS uh, although care is free at point of use, you do pay for that care through your national insurance contribution. Yeah, and quite often people for, people just think, oh, the NHS is free. Well, actually, you are paying through it for it through national insurance. Absolutely, well, I mean, the uh, best healthcare systems in the world. Yeah, yeah. we have, but um, as as Andy says, it does cost. It does cost a lot of money. It's not totally free. We all pay pay into it um well if we didn't give the mps a pay rise next year it'll pay for the nhs for another couple that's a very i I, I was going to say for for all of those healthcare staff have only just received uh, a three percent pay increase considering that mps have had ten percent this year it's um it's very interesting yeah Yeah. they always vote themselves they always vote themselves massive increases don't they i don't think they should be allowed to do that I really don't think they should be allowed to vote for their own own pay rise. What are you going to say? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's I think it's a very unfair and unjust system yeah. when you have many people who are working many many hours under the sun, and we we have many people who've put their lives at risk to keep others safe. And well, especially during COVID as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. yeah the last year. Anyway, um, on to a lighter story then. Yes. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Now, Strictly Come Dancing made history back at the weekend because the, f- the show's first ever same-sex male couple in the competition took to the dance floor, and they are John Waite and Johannes Radibi. I hope I pronounced that correctly. So John and Johannes were paired together last week, becoming the BBC programme's second same-sex pairing, following a female same-sex pairing of Nicola Adams and Katya Jones last year. They danced the tango to New Order's hit single from 1983, Blue Monday, uh, which I think Andy H was the first 12-inch single to reach number one. Was it? Uh, first uh, time I, a 12-inch had made number one. Uh, yes, I think it was first time a 12-inch yeah. made number one. And the two won praise from the judges, uh, with descriptions including absolutely exquisite, uh, exquisite, sorry, and Craig Rover Horwood, who is normally quite critical, saying he loved it. Now there's been lots and lots of tweets, uh, according to Digital Spy, the media website, in praise of jo- John and Johannes, including "Oh my God, that was so powerful." 
amazing footwork, amazing choreo, and they were so in sync. And somebody who pointed out this may well be a first, but all we ask for is that one little boy who knows he's different is watching John and Johannes and thinks, cool, representation is life-affirming. So, guys, did you catch it on Saturday night? I did didn't. you see the dance? I, I didn't, I'm no, afraid. Didn't. But, um, um, I mean, my first question would be, uh, come on, BBC, you're years behind. Why didn't you do this five years ago, six years ago? <laughs> you know, yes. I, it's not cutting edge. Um, you know, I mean, the first lesbian kiss was on Brookside on Channel Four. God knows how many years ago, and here you are. Yeah. Here you are with people dancing. It's mm. it's great. Don't get me wrong, um, but and it's one couple. <laughs> yes. Do you think? Do you think that Strictly maybe is a kind of like popular in? how should I put it delicately, sort of Daily Mail land, and that's why it's taken a little bit longer for this uh, appeals to a certain to demographic, you mean? Yeah, I think that's Perhaps. very true. I think that's very yeah. true. Yeah. It, it's possible. Um, it's, challenge, it's challenging those stereotypes, and it's also making people... Re- it's, in a way, providing that talking point that needs to be had within that middle uh, bracket. Um, just to say, New Order, Blue Monday never actually got to number one. Oh dear! <laughs> it was. Uh, I'm maybe thinking of the indie charts. I'm sorry about that, Andy. So, I've I will, um, new order when they shouldn't be. <laughs> I, I will. I, I will say one thing though. I, I do totally agree that if for even one individual out there who sees that and goes, "Oh, that's cool," I'm, I'm not. Yeah. You know, I, I I feel that way, and you know, it's on TV, so it must be okay. That that that's worth its weight in gold. Which is another yeah. reason why I wish they'd done it years ago. Yes, um, you know, um, I mean, I think it's great, and I think, and I, I think in general, TV um, is moving towards they're just being, you know, LGBT people um, in shows. It's just normal. Um, I mean, I've watched a lot of things on, especially um, places like Netflix and Amazon, where there are members um, in the cast um, whose uh, the, the characters are LGBT plus in some way or form, but it's not central to the storyline. You know, yeah, and that, that's important the important well, bit yeah. because um, you know it's great when you watch something and it is the um, the central bit, but it's also we're there in normal life. So to have it portrayed that way too, and it just be a byline that the guy that you're off trying to dig up treasure with as a pirate happens to have a boyfriend um you know it makes it more makes that affirmation um there and as a sideline actually a lot of commercials are now featuring members of the community i've seen a lot of trans people in commercials a lot of same-sex couples just in things advertising beds sofas mm. chips insurance things like that i'm actually that is rainbow washing though well, that, I mean, um, perhaps people from the left <laughs> of the community would argue so. I, I accept that uh, argument, but sometimes I think some are, in, some aren't. I, th- yeah, I think you some, think some need to look a bit uh, more in depth in the company, don't you? Yeah, you yeah. Know. yeah. Um, but yeah, Thank no, lovely, lovely to see. I think. Um, yes, very much so. Very much so. And, and of course, we might be seeing more of it now that Russell T Davis is taking over Doctor Who again. Yeah, he's not back till twenty twenty three though. Twenty twenty three. Yeah, the next next year they're going to do a, a special edition of Doctor Who, which will c- coincide with the one hundredth anniversary of BBC Radio, because the first BBC oh, broadcast oh, took place in nineteen twenty two. So uh, that will be exciting. And then Russell T Davis will take over. 
the programme that he so successfully brought back in 2005 yeah yeah, yeah. I, I like him a lot um, I loved Queer as Folk I loved um, oh, yes. um, oh there was it's a series a where, it's yeah a it's a scene and the other one that he did in three different bits uh, yeah. Banana Cucumber and oh uh, I know which yes, one you mean I so. uh, anyway <laughs> that is it for this week um, um, a big thank you to you for listening uh, if you want to know more about us check us out online at shoutoutradio.lgbt uh, we'll be back same time same place next week with a few more of us hopefully but from myself <laughs> from Terry and from Andy um, have a good week say bye bye everyone bye 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 now shout out LGBT radio for you